Great is the darkness that covers the earth. Nations are slipping in hopeless despair. Now may your church rise with power and love. This glorious gospel proclaim. In every nation salvation will come to those who believe in your name. Help us bring light to this world that we might speed your return. Let's stand together as we worship. Great is the darkness. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. He is the Lord and he reigns on high. Your gospel, O Lord, is the hope for our nation. It's the power of God for our salvation. Paul witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. For all of you who were baptised into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. I'm going to begin with a um, little little stat for you uh, to kick things off this evening. Recent research from the US uh, leads us to believe that on average a man will use 4,000 words a day in normal conversation. 4,000 words a day for a man. Yet, on average a woman will use how many do you reckon? It's actually 7,000 according to stats. 4,000 for men, 7,000 for women. And hey, we're not here to debate how valid that claim is. I'm pretty confident it's, it's not far off the truth. But here's the deal, man or woman, that's a lot of words, right? That's a lot of words in normal conversation over the scope of a whole day. Here's my question for you, and I want you to chat about this with the person you're sat next to. In a normal day, think about tomorrow, going back into school, back into your workplace. What will you talk about? What will you spend most of your time talking about with your friends on a normal day? I've predicted five things that I think are the big hitters that people will usually talk about in their normal conversation. You've got one minute, the person you're sat next to, to chat it through. So I made a few predictions and I'm sort of looking for the lens of a young person. But let's see how we get on with this. Here's, this is an enemy order, but here's my top five that I think people here would talk about on a normal day. Next factor. Slash strictly come dancing. Slash I'm a celebrity. Or any other big hit in TV series. Rumour has it, actually, 
think Mark and Rach go back for a little uh, X Factor results party <laughs> after the evening service. It's a big thing. And a lot of people you will find spend a lot of time talking about the big hitting TV programmes. Here's the other thing. This is more me, growing up, footy, yeah? I'll be in the office tomorrow and I'll be talking and wondering how the ref gave a pen against Ferdinand at Old Trafford yesterday. Scandalous decision. But there's lots to be spoken about, about football in the playground. You'll know it's footy, footy, footy. X-factor, footy, footy. That's what's going on. Here's the third thing. Other people, yeah? People you've met at the weekend, work colleagues, school pals, maybe people that are at school that aren't your pals. Maybe the other sex, that comes up into conversation sometimes, I'm sure, in the school playground. I reckon you will be talking about other people during the course of a normal day. Fair? Here we go, here's the fourth one, new gadgets. Latest Xbox game to come out, iPhone 4S, you can speak to it and it does things, how good's that? Talking about the new apps that you can download. I reckon the nearer we get to Christmas, the more that will come onto your conversation radar. New gadgets, new releases, new things that have come out. Here's my fifth thing. Work. Maybe not as exciting, but I reckon a normal day, young people, you will at some point talk about your school work. And adults, at some point, you will talk about the work that you're involved in. Fair? Top five? Anything else, Paddy, you're shaking your head? Anything else to come out? Weather. Weather? <laughs> well, everyone's nodding, Weather. You've got some bad conversations. <laughs> but you have to with generally, there's a decent top five. Maybe there's a few other things to throw in, depending on your line of work, etc. But these are things we spend our day talking about. Now, I look at that list up there, and I'm looking at that as a Christian here this evening, and I hope you know where I'm going with this. I think there's one glaring omission from those topics of conversation. What is it? Jesus. doesn't mean that every sentence that comes out of my mouth, I need to talk about Jesus. But surely, surely in and amongst the X Factor and the footy and the work and the other people I'm talking about, surely there should be room in there for Jesus, right? And I'm asking the question why, and I'm asking it of myself, not just of you. Why do I not speak about Jesus more in daily conversation? God sent Jesus from heaven. And he came and walked in this world 2,000 years ago. And the Bible tells me that Jesus died on a cross for me so that my sins can be forgiven. And he rose to new life and he said, death is conquered, eternity is yours, will you take it? Now for me, that reeks of good news, doesn't it? Is that not good news? So now I'm scratching my head and thinking, why is it not in the mix there? Part of my conversation on a daily basis with Christian friends, with non-Christian friends, with my parents, with whoever, why am I not talking about Jesus more? And the challenge for us this evening, we're going to look at Matthew 9, end of verse 35 to 38. The challenge for me and you will be, as we watch Jesus in action... As we watch the ultimate himself, as he wanders around the villages of Galilee and the crowds rock up to him, and he teaches and he preaches the good news of the kingdom of God, that we would watch the ultimate in action. We would watch the Lord Jesus go about his business, and we too would be challenged to speak up and to speak out about the greatest 
news in the world. I'm going to ask Tom to come up and read the passage to us. And as he does, here's the deal. When we, could, when we turn to the Bible, so often we just switch off for a moment. We let the words filter over our head. I want you to look out for three things. Because I think there's three big reasons in this passage. It's not going to come up on the screen, so if you've got a Bible, that'd be great. Three big reasons why we should get out there and speak up and speak out about Jesus. Let's see if you can hear them. This reading comes from Matthew 9, from verse 35, page 974 in the Church Bibles. The workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Here we go. Three motivations. Three reasons why we should be more willing to bring Jesus into our daily conversations. And here's the first one. It's there for us in verse 36. I wonder whether you heard it. Let me read verse 36 again. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. As Jesus wanders round the little villages and the towns and the people are flocking to him and Jesus looks out at these crowds and what does he see? He sees their condition. And this is what their condition is. Harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And if you'd have grown up in that day that would have been a vivid picture for you. For to be a little lonely sheep out on the hills of Israel, on your own, without a shepherd, without protection, that was a pretty bleak position to be in. Because you know what, if the wolves didn't get you, the wild bears would have done. Harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Whether they knew it or not, Jesus looks out of these crowds and he sees vulnerable people. People who are vulnerable without Christ. Without a leader, without a protector, without a saviour. I wonder how you look at your friends in school, in your class, around the changing room, in the sports club, your work colleagues, your family. How do you see those friends? Because you know what? Without Jesus, they're vulnerable. They're ever so vulnerable without Christ. And their future, the Bible tells us, is bleak. They're harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. And you see, I look at my friends, and I caught up with some of the boys yesterday, one of my best mates, Hoppy, known since I was 12 years old. I look at him, and the world says he's sorted. He's got it. He's married. He's got a good job. He lives in a decent house. He's just about to have a kitchen refitted. He's got everything going for him in the eyes of the world, yeah? He's alright. He's sorted, it's my mate Hoppy. I've got to make sure I don't listen to the lies of the world. Because without Christ, my mate Hoppy is vulnerable, the Bible tells me. He's vulnerable. However sorted he is in the eyes of the world, he is in desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder how you see your friends. You see them as sorted, as okay, they're happy, they've got stuff going for them in life, everything's fine, it's okay. I think we need to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. 
Because as these crowds wander to him, he looks deep into their heart and he sees the greatest condition, a desperate condition of these people. But without Christ, they're heading to hell. There's no future for these people. That's the first reason why we should be ready, not to shout about it all the time necessarily, but surely we should be speaking about Jesus a bit more, yeah? In our daily conversation. Here's the second thing, and it's in verse 36 again. When he saw the crowds, he had (coughs) compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees these people, and he doesn't just see their condition and say, oh, that's not the best, is it? Unlucky, and wander off. (coughs) He's moved. He's moved to the very core of his being. He's moved with compassion. He's moved with pity. The word literally means gut-wrenching. It's where we get that term from today. He feels like his stomach's been twisted because he sees these people and his heart is broken for these people because they're in a desperate condition without a saviour. You see, it's one thing to see the condition of the people around us in this world. But it's another thing entirely to be moved with compassion to do something about it. If you go into Oxford this Christmas and the leader to do your shopping, you won't be able to walk down Corn Market, the main street in Oxford, without seeing someone curled up in a door there. Homeless person, little sleeping bag, holes in it, load of old gear, wrapped around him, little tin pot, coppers on the floor. There's his Christmas. It's one thing to see their condition, but it's another thing to be moved with compassion to do something about it. To take him to Pizza Hut, give him a meal, take him in for Christmas. And it's exactly the same thing in our evangelism. It's one thing for me to see Hopkins, see actually beyond the lies of the world, and he has got a serious problem without Jesus. But it's another stage on, is it not, that that cuts me to the heart and says, I want Hoppy to know Jesus. That actually moves me out of my comfort zone and says, hey, whatever the consequences for me, Hoppy's got to hear about Jesus. He really has. First reason why? Because of the condition of the people. Second reason why? Because of his compassion for the people. And here's the third reason in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Once again, Jesus looks up. And part of him is cut to the heart. But he looks out at this vast crowd that is before him, and what does he see? A plentiful harvest. He sees a great number of people that are ready for conquest, ready to hear the gospel, ready to wander into Jesus' kingdom, ready to trust him as Lord and Saviour. It is a plentiful harvest, my friends. I remember um, when I started working for Christian in Sport about eight years ago, a stat that I heard, this is my second stat this evening, a stat that I heard, um, and the stat said this, there's four million people in the UK that say football is the most important thing in their life. Oh, don't know where that research was carried out, if in Newcastle, maybe, <laughs> Liverpool, possibly. Who knows? And whether the stat's true or not, you know, here's the reality, there's a whole lot of people that are living with a false god as their real god, and their life is built around football and what happens on a Saturday. 
The whole life revolves around it. And part of you is broken in that moment when you hear that. But you know what? As Jesus looks out and he sees lost people, he doesn't get downhearted. What does he say? Opportunity time. The harvest is plentiful. There are people out there who are ready to hear about Jesus. There are people in your schools, young people, in your classes, in your sports team. There are colleagues at work. There are people in the village of Long Crendon who are ready to hear the gospel. They're primed and they're ready. The harvest is plentiful, says Jesus. But there's just one problem, look. Verse 37. Look what Jesus goes on to say. The harvest is plentiful, but... What's the problem? Someone tell me. Harvest is plentiful. It's out there. It's ready to be won for Christ. But there's a problem, says Jesus. The workers are few. And you see, he doesn't say there are few Christians We'd love to see more believers in this world. But he doesn't say there are few Christians. He says there are few workers. There are few people that are willing to roll up their sleeves, to sweat and to toil for the sake of the gospel, to be out there in the harvest fields. And it's a picture of your burly farm worker, isn't it? He's been out since four o'clock in the morning and he's covered in mud and oil from cranking the machinery and he's got his hair swept back because he's sweating and he's been working all day and he's been toiling and toiling and toiling to bring in the gospel. Bring in the harvest, sorry, he is. (laughs) But as workers, Jesus says, we should be out there willing to toil for the sake of the gospel. This is what Christ calls us to. In and amongst the normal life of talking about X Factor and things that are going on at work and the football, normal people, relevant people in the world, in the harvest fields, but workers. That's what Jesus wants to see. Workers who are desperate to bring people into God's kingdom. Here's my question for you now. It's going to be a little bit of a time out because I've done enough talking for a moment. It's over to you. And I want you to chat for a few minutes with the people that you're sat next to. The musical play, so if it goes a little bit quiet, don't worry, there'll be something on in the background. But here's your question. I want you to think of your best friend that isn't a Christian. I want you to picture your best friend that is not a Christian. All that we just looked at is in the background... Here's the question I want you to talk about. What does it now look like, in reality, for you to begin to talk to them about Jesus? What does that look like? Let me give you one example, and then it's over to you. Um, Me and Han, my wife, we've got one of her mates uh, called Celia, who's stopping with us at the minute. Um, She's about to become redundant in two weeks' time. She's a physio. And she's also not got a house to live in at the minute because, depending on where she worked, she didn't want to start renting a new place. So here's Celia, hard-working girl, talented girl, everything's fallen into place for in her life before. All of a sudden, she's living out of a suitcase and she's about to be redundant in two weeks. Everything she's built her life upon has been ripped out from under her. Her foundation in life, her identity in her work, her own security that she's provided for herself, like a rug, whipped out from under her. And she's feeling fragile. But, 
It's given me and Han an opportunity to talk about what you build your life upon. To talk about Jesus as the only one true foundation in life. Someone that provides security for you, not only in this life, but into an eternity. A foundation that will not crumble beneath you. Do you see the point? Depending upon your friends and where they're at and their life experiences, it's the same gospel, it's the same Jesus we want to talk about. But here's your question, you've got a few minutes as the music plays. What will it look like for you to bring Jesus into normal conversation with your friend? Happy? Let's see how it goes. I don't know how this will work, but you've got a few minutes. Let's go. And I'll wrap it up shortly. Maybe that will be a real blessing to some of you because you've maybe been struggling to think what to say. Um, But hopefully a useful exercise because I guess here's the deal. If we can't talk about these things in the comfortable environment we're in here, then I guess we're going to find it really hard when we're out there in the harvest field, in our schools, in our workplaces, etc. And I guess the other challenge from that exercise, I don't know whether you found that helpful, but I guess the challenge is to not see your friends as projects. Just to charge in and just deliver the gospel. Straight away, just throw it all out them in the next five minutes because all people are different, right? Your friends are going through different situations, different experiences, different circumstances in life. And it's the same Jesus, it's the same gospel, but hopefully we just begin to think a little bit intentionally about how we can naturally bring Jesus into conversation in a relevant way so it's normal really normal and I think that's a good process for us to do to begin to think how we can do that 1 Peter 3 um, verse 15 I think we read it earlier let me read it out to you again here's Peter and I think he sums this up pretty well here here's Peter talking to a load of Christians that are scattered through an unbelieving world guys are probably finding it pretty hard to speak up and this is what Peter says but in your hearts Set apart Christ as Lord. Here's a starting point. Treasure Christ in your heart above everything else. And then he goes on to say, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect comes when we understand the friends that we're talking to. And then we can bring the gospel in, in all its fullness, but in a sensitive way. Are you ready though? Peter says, be ready. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's a big challenge, I'm sure, for us all this evening. Let me wrap it up by going back to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 38, last couple of thoughts here. Let's finish where Jesus finishes. The condition of the people. Compassion for the people. Conquest of the people. Three huge reasons why we should be more willing to speak up and to bring Jesus into everyday conversation. Then look where Jesus finishes in verse 38. Because where do we begin now? Jesus gives us two action points. Here's the first one, verse 38 Ask. 
Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Before you do anything else, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest. This is his harvest. This is his world. These are his people. And he alone is capable of bringing them into his kingdom. And Jesus says, before you do anything else, before you start planning and plotting your next outreach activity, your next guest event, just stop and fall on your knees and pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers to get out there into the world and live for Jesus. And then he goes on in chapter 10, verse 1. We didn't read this out. He calls the 12 disciples to him, look. And then in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out. Action point one, pray, says Jesus. Action point two, go. Jesus brings them in and he says, boys, it's time. Out you go. And that word send is pretty tame in the translation we've got. It literally means to throw out or to thrust out. See what Jesus is doing? He brings them in and says, boys, you've seen me in action. You've seen what it's like. You've seen how to go and affect this world. He says, now's the time. And it's not reckless because Jesus has spent years with these guys, training them, showing them, explaining the gospel, helping them understand what mission really looks like. And now he says, boys, get out of here. Now it's time. Now it's game day. Now is the moment to go and make a stand for Christ and to speak up for him. And know this, you may well be the answer to your own prayers. Pray, he says to the disciples, they're praying, they're praying. Send out workers, then Jesus says, oh by the way, that's you. Off you go. It doesn't exclude us praying. Praying includes us in gospel work. And the final challenge for us this evening is this, because I love this as we look at Jesus in action. He's not just the greatest coach there ever was in helping people understand what genuine mission looks like. He did it. And I think that should be a huge challenge to us, to the leaders of this church, to you if you're an S-group leader. If you're leading any capacity, it's one thing to train others. It's one thing to throw others out into the harvest field, but it's another thing to do it yourself, right? Because once again, it's easy-ish to talk about these things in here. But it's another thing, Monday morning, when the conversation is about the X-factor and it's about the footy, it's not easy then, is it, to bring Jesus into your conversation?